Welcome to this episode of Sound Bites, a podcast series produced by the National Psoriasis Foundation, the nation's leading organization for individuals living with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. In each episode, someone who lives with psoriatic disease, a loved one, or an expert will share insights with you on living well. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to our podcast and join us every month at SoundBites for more insights on understanding, managing, and thriving with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. My name is Shiva Mosavarian, and joining me today on SoundBites is Teresa Gratulo, a doctoral prepared, board certified family nurse practitioner with Arizona Dermatology and Cosmetic Surgery in Phoenix, Arizona. Trisha's clinical interests include treating a variety of skin diseases, which include psoriasis, eczema, rosacea, and more. She's currently a member of the National Academy of Dermatology Nurse Practitioners and the American Association of Nurse Practitioners. She also reviews articles to the Journal of Dermatology Nurses Association. We're here with Tirsa to discuss over-the-counter treatment options and care of scalp psoriasis. Welcome, Tirsa. Thank you for being on Soundbites today. As you know, the scalp is one of the more common locations where plaque psoriasis occurs affecting between 45 to 56% of people with psoriasis. What are some of the more common symptoms associated with scalp psoriasis? Thank you for having me. It's an honor and my pleasure to be here with you all today. Psoriasis is a very complicated and frustrating condition, and scalp psoriasis really is no exception. In fact, scalp psoriasis poses its own set of challenges. So some of the more common symptoms associated with scalp psoriasis that I see in my practice is like raised, reddish, salmon-colored like scaly patches, dandruff-like flaking. Scalp psoriasis can even spread to the forehead, the back of the neck, and inside the ears, which can get very itchy. The lesions themselves are very itchy, and if left untreated, it can lead to thicker plaques, encrusted sores, secondary infections, and even hair loss. So given that, what is the emotional impact of scalp psoriasis? Since the plaques are visible, that seems like it could definitely cause embarrassment and feelings of self-consciousness. Yeah, absolutely. Even in this day and age when we have so much information and we have raised the awareness of psoriasis, unfortunately, many people still hold many negative or false impressions about psoriasis. Living with scalp psoriasis has a stigma that can cause people with psoriasis to feel ashamed of their appearance, especially because it is in a very visible area, such as the face and the scalp. Unfortunately, those who have psoriasis are definitely at greater risk for developing depression or anxiety due to the inability to control and manage the disease. And is it possible routine hair care, such as brushing, combing, or vigorous rubbing during shampooing can cause trauma to the plaques on the scalp? Wouldn't scratching, scraping, or scrubbing the plaques lead to capnerization? Yes, so the cavernization is an interesting phenomenon. What that refers to is the emergence of a new psoriatic lesion or a plaque following a injury or a trauma. So the trauma, like you just mentioned, such as vigorously brushing or washing too aggressively, or even habitually scratching or picking at the lesions can actually produce or trigger new psoriatic lesions. One of the things that we educate our patients in is in trying to control the symptoms because we know that aggressively scratching or any trauma can lead to more psoriatic plaques. And earlier you mentioned hair loss. Is hair loss a common issue associated with scalp psoriasis? And what can be done to avoid hair loss? 
Yeah, unfortunately, hair loss is a common finding with those who have uncontrolled scalp psoriasis. This is mostly due to the excessive scratching or picking that I was talking about, or even trying to remove the thick plaque in a very forceful way. The good news with hair loss is that it's temporary. So once you find an, an effective treatment, the hair can actually grow back. So one of the things that I educate my patients on is you want to try to avoid hair loss as much as possible by doing a few things. Number one, you want to definitely avoid picking off the scales, right? So there's ways of removing the scales, but picking and aggressively removing them is certainly not one of them. Another tip that I like to give my patients is that you want to keep your fingernails short. If you do have a, an itch, at least if your nails are short, it won't create such a, a severe trauma as if the nails were really long. And just little things like condition your hair every day, you know, when you wash it, that helps so that it prevents some of the dryness. And even just letting your hair air dry rather than blow drying, which we'll talk a little bit more later on, all those little things will help to prevent further hair loss. So in general, is there a purpose for using an over-the-counter shampoo for scalp psoriasis? So there are a lot of products that are over-the-counter specifically for psoriasis. A lot of these psoriasis um, shampoos can be very effective in reducing many symptoms, such as like the flaking, the redness, and the itching. These shampoos are specifically for the scalp, though. So they're not necessarily the best for the hair strands, but it's great for the scalp. The type of shampoo that you can choose over the counter really depends on the specific issue that you're trying to solve. For example, is your issue a thick scale? Is it a fine scale? Is it an itchy scalp? Or is it all of the above? So whatever symptom is it that you're experiencing, there are some particular shampoos over the counter that will target that specific concern. So what are the three best ingredients to look for in an over-the-counter product for scalp psoriasis and why? There are quite a few, but I would say the top three of the main ingredients that you want to look for in over-the-counter shampoo for scalp psoriasis is number one, coal tar. So coal tar has been around forever, right? We have been using coal tar to treat psoriasis for over a hundred years. And the main purpose of coal tar is to reduce the scaling and the thickening of the scalp lesions by slowing down the growth of the skin cells. So that is the main way that we use coal tar is to reduce the growth of the skin cells. So that's the first one. The second most common one is salicylic acid. Salicylic acid works as a scale, quote, unquote, softener so that the plaque may be gently removed rather than forcing it out. So there's a lot of products that have salicylic acid. So two different purposes. And I would say the third one, which is pretty common, is selenium sulfide. Selenium sulfide is very popular. The main ingredients helps to reduce bacteria and yeast that can accumulate in the scalp. Bacteria and yeast often will contribute to the inflammation and the accumulation of flakes because of the bacteria and the yeast actually triggers it in the immunological response. So it actually creates more inflammation. So when we reduce the bacteria and yeast count on our scalp, you will actually see some improvement in your scalp psoriasis. That's interesting. And what are some examples of shampoos that contain these ingredients? There's a whole school of them. I mean, if you go to Walmart, Target, you won't be able to make a decision when you're out there, right? So some of the examples that you can find will be like, for example, coal tar. One common one is tea gel. Tea gel is a very common brand. You can find that pretty much anywhere. So that is the one that has a little bit of coal tar. Another example would be like DHS. So that one's called DHS tar shampoo. There's a, so many that you can choose from. 
salicylic acid. So there's T-cell shampoo. That's a very familiar one to most patients. And DHS cell shampoo. That's available as well. And then for your selenium sulfide, this is an oldie but goodie, but good old-fashioned head and shoulders. That's the selenium sulfide shampoo and also Selsin Blue. That's another one that's very common in most households. These are used mostly for like for dandruff, but you'd be surprised how well it works for fine scales in uh, plaque psoriasis. So is it helpful to alternate use of medicated shampoo, such as what you mentioned, versus a non-medicated shampoo? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it just depends again on what's happening. You know, like, are you in the middle of a flare? Are you not in the middle of a flare? So combining non-medicated and medicated shampoos really is a great combination. So keep in mind that medicated shampoos are meant for the scalp, right? We want to treat those plaques. However, it's probably not the best for the hair strands, right? So when you think about things like coal tar and salicylic acid, you want to use that specifically for the scalp, but you also want to use it correctly. So for example, coal tar, if you use too much of it, you can make your scalp pretty sensitive to the sun. So you can technically get a sunburn on your scalp. And then also the ladies, if they dye their hair or they have naturally blonde hair, using coal tar can make the hair darker. So you definitely want to use that cautiously. Another thing too with coal tar is that it has a very distinct odor. If anyone has ever used coal tar, you can recognize that smell anywhere. I usually recommend to my patients, use your coal tar because again, we're trying to reduce the flakes, but and then you want to follow it with a non-medicated shampoo to help with the odor and help with the shine and the softness of the hair. Another example is that salicylic acid. If you use too much of that, you can cause some dryness of the scalp. So you want to alternate the non-medicated shampoos with the medicated shampoos to sort of mitigate some of those unwanted effects. And can you name an example or two of non-medicated shampoos? Oh, sure. Absolutely. In fact, if you go to any of the well-known stores, there is actually a lot of shampoos that are specifically for scalp care or for psoriasis. But one of my favorite ones is free and clear shampoo or free and clear conditioner. And the reason why I recommend that particular brand is because usually patients with scalp psoriasis have more sensitivities, right? So free and clear is a great product that has very little preservatives along those lines. That's good to know. A lot of the products you mentioned today, like T-cell, can be found on the National Psoriasis Foundation Seal of Recognition Program, which recognizes over-the-counter products created or intended to be non-irritating and safe for those living with psoriatic disease. So should use of a medicated shampoo continue after the scalp is clear of psoriasis plaques? Yeah, so keep in mind that when you use your medicated OTC shampoos, it may take several weeks for it to take effect. So you're not going to miraculously see these changes overnight. You have to keep using them for a few weeks in order to achieve the results that you're looking for. Once you achieve those results, though, it is recommended to not abruptly stop your treatments. If you're clear, you can continue to use the products maybe like once a week or once every 10 days, more for like maintenance and for prevention of any further flare-ups. Earlier, you recommended using a conditioner following use of a medicated shampoo. Why should this occur and what ingredients should someone look for in a conditioner? So you absolutely want to use a conditioner for several reasons. Number one, you want to avoid a dry scalp as much as possible. So don't forget, a dry scalp is an itchy scalp. So the itching can compose more further problems. So what you want to do is you want to add a conditioner to reduce that itching. 
Also, some psoriasis shampoos may be great for the scalp, but again, as I mentioned earlier, it is not good for the hair shaft or the actual hair strand. So you want to counteract some of that damage and to help manage your hair by using a, a conditioner every day. So for an example of that would be like free and clear that I mentioned earlier. Another one, uh, Biolage, the brand name Biolage makes a great conditioner. That's called like the Biolage Scalp Rebalance Conditioner. Another one is Derma E Scalp Relief Conditioner. These are all great brands that you can find at any of your local stores to sort of counterbalance some of that dryness that some of these medicated shampoos can produce. And so what is the best method for removing plaques from the scalp? And how can this be done if the hair is really thick? Yeah, that's a great question. And that is a very challenging concern or complaint that a lot of my patients ask me. So the most important thing is to remember is never, ever force or aggressively remove the flakes or the plaques, right? So you never want to do it forcefully. There are methods that you can use to soften the plaques, but you never want to force them. So the first thing you want to do is use your medicated shampoos regularly, right? You don't want to do it just once in a while. You want to do it regularly in order to keep the flakes soft and pliable and be able to detach them. I mentioned earlier the product with salicylic acid. That's a very powerful exfoliating tool or ingredient that's found in shampoos. And they even have them in ointments so that you can sort of spot treat if you have like one stubborn area. And that way it can lift and soften the scale. Then what you want to do is when you start shampooing it out, you use your fingertips to gently massage the scalp without feeling any type of resistance. So that's called like an, a light exfoliation of the scalp. Now, with those patients that have thicker hair, that definitely poses a little bit of a challenge. We all want beautiful thick hair, right? But people with scalp psoriasis, it becomes a little bit more difficult because of that accumulation of the plaques and the hair sort of gets in the way. So one thing that I recommend for patients with thick hair is there's a couple little tricks. So number one, you want to apply your medicated or non-medicated creams or ointments to damp hair. So a trick is you want to use warm water to dampen the hair, not hot because you don't want to burn the scalp, but you want to use warm water to sort of dampen the hair. Then you want to apply your ointment or your cream to that specific area and then wrap the scalp with a towel or a plastic wrap and then just leave it there for like 15, 20 minutes and then you move forward and, and use your shampoo. That way some of those plaques can become detached. Now, once it becomes attached, it may get trapped in the hair because of the thickness of the hair. So that's when you reach for like a fine tooth comb to pick up the detached flakes again without putting any type of pressure resistance on the scalp. And just as a side note, there are lots of sort of like spot treatments that you can get over the counter for those stubborn plaques. For example, like Eucerin. Eucerin is called Eucerin Common Urea Scalp Treatment. Urea is another ingredient that's very similar to like salicylic acid. And the purpose of that, again, is to soften that plaque. So that's a great treatment that's used for like, a, an, like an ointment rather than shampoo. Another one is from First Aid Beauty. They offer a 2% salicylic scalp serum that, again, you can leave on for 15, 20 minutes and then move on with the rest of your routine. We've heard some people decide the easiest way to deal with their scalp psoriasis is cut their hair short or even shave their heads. Is this a solution someone should consider? Well, if you're cutting your hair short because you want to, because you're trying a different style or make a statement, then hey, more power to you. But if you're doing it because you're 
desperate and you really hate the way that the plaques look or whatnot, or you're trying to get to it better, I would encourage you to seek out care from your dermatologist and really talk to them about other treatment options. So again, if you're going to do something like that, do it because you want to, not because you're frustrated with your condition. Are there any cautions about using heat-controlled styling tools like blow dryers or curling irons? Yes. So unfortunately, hot air from blow dryers can worsen the itching and the dryness. So if it is possible, if you don't have anything major going on, then let your hair air dry. But if you have to use a blow dryer, try to at least keep it on the lowest setting. Same thing with the curling irons. You want to use them at a minimum. So you want to avoid any type of like accidental burn, right? Because don't forget, there's that Kebner phenomenon. If you burn your scalp, you may potentially get a new lesion there. So you want to avoid that as much as possible. If you have an event coming up and you have to use a curling iron, my advice would be just keep that temperature below 400 degrees. That way you can actually smooth out the strands without risking a burn. Great advice. And would any of these methods change for a person with a different hair texture, such as a person with skin of color? Yeah, so so patients of of color have their own challenges as well uh, because of the texture of the hair. But what I would say is that all of the advice I've given so far does certainly apply to them as well. A couple of tips I would say is for my patients who are, for example, African-Americans, they're going through a flare-up, I usually say, try to avoid any type of relaxers if that's something they're accustomed to using. Just wait until everything is clear. Also, a main difference between African-American hair texture is that it can easily dry out, especially with these over-the-counter medicated shampoos. And it can cause like dry, brittle hair, which can be very detrimental to African-American hair type. So they probably need to reduce the amount of shampooing that they do. Other than that, though, other, other recommendations I've made, I would say it will apply to them as well. And a question that comes up frequently is around the use of hair color. Is it okay to use hair color if you have scalp psoriasis? Or should someone wait, like you mentioned with the hair relaxer, until the flare-up is gone? Yeah, absolutely. I I would never tell any of my patients, don't color your hair. No way. But you definitely don't want to do it when you're in the middle of a flare. Absolutely not. It can actually worsen. The chemicals in the hair dye can actually worsen the condition, leading to thicker plaques and itching and irritation, as you can imagine, the hair dye would do that. So you definitely want to get that under control before you move forward with dyeing of the hair. And another reason you don't want to dye your hair when you have an active flare or like a thick plaque is that hair dye can actually leave unwanted color on the actual plaque that's already built on the scalp. So it may look very uneven or some areas may look darker than others because that plaque actually absorbs a lot of that dye. That's great to know. So you mentioned earlier about the need to discuss treatment options and quality of life with a dermatologist. Can you please provide tips or strategies about how to have that discussion about the impact scalp psoriasis has on quality of life with a healthcare provider? So talking to your provider about psoriasis and how it affects your quality of life is very important. I'll tell you why. Because when my patients talk to me about how much this is affecting their lives and much more than just the physical level, right? How much is affecting their emotionally and socially. This helps me determine the course of their treatment. It helps me determine the direction that I'm going to take. Am I going to treat someone more aggressively perhaps than someone else? So it depends on how much it's affecting their life. I would encourage all of your listeners to talk openly 
with their dermatologist, talk to them about, are you experiencing depression? Are you experiencing anxiety? Is psoriasis affecting you at work? Is it affecting your relationships with your loved ones? If it's affecting your life that way, then your dermatologist should know because that's going to certainly help them pick a better or a kind of like a tailored treatment specifically for that person. And another area where tips could be helpful, do you have any tips on working with the hairstylist who may have reservations about working with someone who has scalp psoriasis? Yeah, so hairstylists, I would say that for the most part, if a hairstylist has been doing this for a long time, if they're well-seasoned in their career, then you can almost bet that they have dealt with people with scalp psoriasis. If perhaps a hairstylist may be fresh out of school, that person may not have as much experience. But what I would suggest is uh, let them know ahead of time. So if you have an appointment and this is a person that you've never seen before, you might want to let them know, hey, by the way, I have scalp psoriasis. Are you familiar with this? If you are, great. If not, then you might want to send them or bring them some literature or information regarding scalp psoriasis if they're unfamiliar with the condition. So that's a couple of tips. Another tip is call ahead and and request a stylist or a hairdresser that is familiar with the condition. That way you'll feel comfortable and the stylist will feel comfortable so that they know how to go about with styling the hair with with plaque psoriasis. And, And a quick tip too, and part of the reason why it's so important to make sure that you're consistent with your treatment is that you definitely want to make it a pleasant experience. Use your medicated shampoos regularly up until that appointment so that So you can minimize the flakes as you're sitting there and getting your hair done. These are all such great tips. Thank you so much. So we know psoriasis is considered an immune-mediated disease, and a person could have mild, moderate, or severe scalp psoriasis. Is it appropriate to combine over-the-counter products while using other treatments, such as prescription-based, topical, or systemic treatments? Yeah, absolutely. We combine over-the-counter and prescription medications in my practice every day. Every product has its own purpose, right? So coming up with a game plan that includes over-the-counter and prescription therapies is a winning combination. It has to be tailored for that individual's needs and goals. So for example, I'll give you a quick example. I'll usually prescribe like a topical steroid that you can use overnight, and then I'll have them wake up in the morning and use their medicated shampoo on the scalp, and then I'll have them use their regular moisturizing shampoo on the hair strand. So I've just combined prescription medication and OTC medications to, again, achieve the goals that we're trying to work as I work with my patients. And finally, in closing, what do you feel are the three most important things to remember about the care of scalp psoriasis? I would say the first one is don't get discouraged. So finding the right combination of the medications, whether it's on the counter, prescription, or both, it can be very time-consuming, can be frustrating because really it's it's trial and error, right? So don't get discouraged. You kind of have to try different things, see what combination works best for you. And when you do find it, stick with it, which brings me to my second recommendation or my advice is be consistent. So I would be very consistent with my products. Once you find that combination or the right therapy, stick with it. So remember, there is no cure for psoriasis. So the more consistent you are, the better outcomes you will experience. And the last thing I would say to listeners is, this is a lot easier said than done, but try not to stress because stress is a major trigger for psoriasis. So psoriasis flare-ups can be very stressful. 
However, feeling stress about it just makes it worse. So just find ways to cope with stress, whether it's yoga, whether it's running, joining a support group, whether going for a walk, taking your dog for a walk, find something that's going to mitigate the stress factor so that way you can achieve clearer results for your psoriasis. Thank you, Tirza, for such an informative discussion about over-the-counter treatments and management of scalp psoriasis. Our audience received some really great tips today to help care for their scalp psoriasis. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. For our listeners, you can find shampoos, moisturizers, and other products through the National Psoriasis Foundation Seal of Recognition Program at psoriasis.org forward slash seal hyphen of hyphen recognition. Also a reminder, you can now find Soundbite CME episodes at psoriasis.org forward slash CME hyphen library. And finally, the Soundbites episode about over-the-counter care for psoriasis is supported by unrestricted educational grants from Amgen, Janssen, and UCB. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Soundbites for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. If you or someone you love has ever struggled with psoriatic disease, our hope is that through this series, you'll gain information to help you lead a healthier life and inspire you to look to the future. Please join us for another inspiring podcast. You can find this or all future episodes of Soundbites on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Ghana, and the National Psoriasis Foundation webpage. To learn more about this topic or others, please visit psoriasis.org or contact us with your questions or comments by email at podcast at psoriasis.org.